What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, now, I want you to turn in your Bibles. I hope you, hope you got your Bibles. If not, maybe see it up here anyway. Uh, Ruth. Ruth chapter 3. There is a book called Ruth in the Bible. So, you know, you have to search for it. It's kind of like a hidden treasure, but she's there, all right. So you look for her, Ruth chapter 3 and uh, verse 1 here. We kind of kind of come into this account in a certain place here where, well, you'll see in Ruth chapter 3, verse 1 here, where Naomi has really taken a change, a turn in the life that Naomi and Ruth, Naomi and Ruth have together here. We'll explain a little bit later. But here we are in Ruth chapter three, and we're gonna start reading in verse one. Here we go. Uh, well, let's see, maybe. Uh, it, it's right, it's, 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 okay, you got it there? Okay, page 376. All right, <laughs> All right Ruth chapter three, verse one, here we go. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, my daughter, I want you really to, to you know, zero in on these words. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said, not my daughter-in-law, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he went in with barley tonight in the threshing floor. floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and, moral, and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the corn of, at the end of the heap of corn and came in softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Or sorry, it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself and said, Behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, 
thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it's true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the part of the kinsman. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then I will do the part of the kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lay down until the morning. Okay, now, uh, you know, the, I know we're coming in here in the middle of the book of Ruth, so, so, but I just want to tell you that, that uh, this book at, at this point here is really kind of narrowed down to three important persons. And these three important persons are Naomi, who is Ruth's mother-in-law, and Ruth, the Moabitess, or a Moabitess, and Boaz, who is the near kinsman to her deceased husband, and he has the right, therefore, or let's say even the obligation to Ruth to marry her and preserve the inheritance of her deceased husband according to the Levitical law of the near kinsman or the Goel. So this book is really a journey especially for Naomi and Ruth, this is a journey from tragedy to blessing. This book is a journey from unbelief to belief. It's really a journey from fear and anxiety to confidence and assurance. So this book tonight, for us here in this room, is for anyone who has experienced or is experiencing tragedy and, and has a hard cry to God to help my unbelief, or for anyone that's fearful about the future and is plagued with anxiety. Now, I know that's nobody in this room. <laughs> All right, so anyway, but that's especially gonna be our focus now. How do you quiet anxiety? How do you, how do you dispel the fear of the unknown future? How do you do that? This book is gonna tell us how to do it. Now, let me just say this, is that they've come here, Naomi and Ruth have returned from Moab back to Bethlehem, and it hasn't been easy. There's been tragedy in this home. There's been the death of Naomi's husband, Eli Melech. There's been the death of, of her two sons that were married to the two daughter-in-laws, the Moabitess daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. And anyways, a lot of drama coming up into there, and I'm not gonna go through all of that. But let me just say this, that now that Naomi and Ruth are left of all of them, and they've come, and they've settled down. They sort of settled down a little bit. And there is a sense now when we come to chapter three of some kind of normalcy of life. I mean, the pair have just settled into Bethlehem when Naomi seems now, as we come in verse three, Naomi, the Jewish mother-in-law, just seems to come in and disrupt it all. Now, that, how could that be, right? <laughs> and so she says in verse one here, as it says, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? Now, this really shows us the heart of Naomi. I mean, here we see her. Naomi, first of all, she's called right off the bat in verse one here. She is Ruth's mother-in-law, but which means that Naomi is not Ruth's mother. But Naomi says, forget about it. She pushes that barrier away, and she says, my daughter. And this is a change for Naomi, believe me. This is a change for Naomi from chapter one, where Naomi did everything she do, could do to get rid of Ruth and Orpah, and now she's clinging to her. 
and she loves her as his daughter, as her daughter. What a love Naomi has for Ruth. Naomi expresses this love for Ruth by seeking what she calls a rest for Ruth. Naomi sees it, Ruth's heart, Ruth's heart, you need a rest. You need a resting place. She sees that. And so she's going to seek a husband and a home for Ruth. But Naomi doesn't call it a husband and a home. Naomi calls the husband and home a rest. And that's interesting because this has always been Naomi's burden of her heart as, as a mother-in-law she, for her two widowed daughters-in-law. And that was the reason why Naomi actually gave for wanting them all to go back, go back to Moab. Don't follow me back to Israel. Don't come with me to Bethlehem. Go back. And you'll see that in chapter 1, verse 9. If you look, it says, the Lord, chapter 1, verse 9, the Lord, when Naomi is now talking to her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, she says, the Lord grant you that ye may find rest. Oh, there it is again. That ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, lifted up the voice, they wept. Okay, so when Naomi said that she wanted them, she wanted to, them to find rest in the house of her husband, Naomi was saying that, look, just because you get a husband and get a home, that's no guarantee that that's gonna be a home of rest in the house of your husband. That's no guarantee you're gonna have a home of Menucha, of the, 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 where Noah's, Noah's name comes from, rest, no. Oh, Naomi, she's wise. She's very wise. And how much Naomi's wisdom is needed for today? Because so many people think, you know, if I just get married, then all's going to be well. All's going to be, I'm going to be so happy, you know. Every couple that stands there to get married, they got such high hopes that there's going to be utopia in the home, you know. But the reality is that half of the marriages, over half the marriages, end in divorce, I mean, you never see a couple coming to get married and say, well, I hope this works, man, and divorce. I don't know. Nobody ever says that. They all say, no, no, divorce is not in our vocabulary. It's going to be wonderful. But that shows that people today have a real hope for a lasting marriage. They have a hope, and they want to know how. They want to know how. You know, like I was one time, I was visiting my Israeli friends in Jerusalem, staying with them, and the daughter of my Israeli friends, uh, Avi and Tammy, they live in Jerusalem, they, that she, They've been married, Avi and Tammy have been married for over 30 years, and their daughter lives in, in Tel Aviv. And so while I was there, their daughter calls on the phone, talks to Tammy. Afterwards, she says, you know what our, you know, you know what the daughter just asked me? And she goes, no, she says, she just called to say, how do you do it? She say, how are you able to stay married for so long? You know? I mean, what is the key to staying married? Many people think, oh, you know, I got to find the right person. I got to go, you know, I'll search, I'll find the right person, you know. And the key to staying married is that it takes two people who are very good at forgiving, all right? Or at least one person who is exceptionally good at forgiving. <laughs> I mean, every year in Takati, every day down in Takati, in the plant in Takati, in Scandabies in Takati, you know, we have our company picnic. Oh, it's a great time. We all look forward to it. The annual picnic. It's wonderful. We go to this one, this ranch, rancho, I guess you'd call it, anyway, and there's an older couple there, and I mean, they are older. They are older. They're in their 80s. No, they're 90. You know, they're really old. Anyway, but they have this beautiful ranch, and we all go there, 1,200 people. Oh, it's wonderful. Swimming pools and gardens and just fun, fun, fun. I mean, the, the, the families with the kids, you know, it opens at 9. They're lining up at 7.30. 
you know, to get in. It's just a wonderful time. And they're really into horses. And they have a, they have a stadium there, a horse stadium. It seats 2,000 people in the stadium. And they, everybody comes and they put on a two-hour horse show. It's just a wonderful time. Well, what happened was that this couple invited John from work and I and Deanna from work to the celebration of their 70th wedding anniversary. <laughs> 70, okay? So, uh, so John was talking to the wife. And of course, John says, what's the key for staying married for 70 years? You know, what's the lowdown? What's the secret? And she says, oh, I'll tell you. She says, I'll tell you. Every night, my husband and I, we get on our knees and we pray the same prayer. We've prayed the same prayer for 70 years. And you know what the prayer is? This is the secret to staying married. The prayer is, is that we will not both be mad at each other at the same time. <laughs> all right, so now we got all this advice from everybody. Oh, what's the key to staying married? Okay, Naomi, in her wisdom, she tells her daughters-in-law, she says, I'll tell you what the truth, I'll tell you what the secret is. The secret is, as she said in verse 9 of chapter 1, the Lord grant you, the Lord grant you that ye might find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. See, Naomi was saying, look, here's the key to finding happiness at home. The Lord grant you. What's that mean? Well, the Lord grants you, the Lord grants what he has asked for. And so it's prayer, prayer, prayer to have shalom in the home. And so Naomi has taken on this role now of the matchmaker. No one asked her to do it, she just did it. And she's directing Ruth now to focus on Boaz, yeah? in, in verse two of our chapter three here. And now is not Boaz of our kindred who's, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he widoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Now, no doubt Boaz has visited Naomi and Ruth in their house there, in their home, and Naomi has seen how Boaz really admires Ruth, really admires her. But there are some barriers. So the matchmaker has taken upon it herself to remove the barriers. But there are barriers to stand in the way of Boaz and Ruth to get married. And the barrier, the first prominent barrier is that He's old. He's very old. He's the age of Eli Melech, which was, which was Naomi's husband. And so, you know, he's old enough to be Ruth's father, you know, which is why he keeps addressing her daughter, my daughter. But Naomi, no problem. She's got that under control. She's got a plan. So there's another problem here. Or rather, let me just say this. So, so first of all, Naomi says, okay, now, Ruth, I want you to really focus on the fact that he is a goel. He's a kinsman redeemer. And here Naomi is saying to Ruth, you know, in our country, dear, sometimes you have to marry someone much older than you to fulfill the law of the kinsman redeemer. So when Naomi says, is not Boaz of our kindred, is not Boaz of Goel, Naomi is saying Boaz has an obligation to marry you. Now, Naomi moves now to remove this other obstacle, which is very, very very, very big in Ruth's mind, and that is, Ruth is, Ruth would say, I'm a Moabitess. I'm of the accursed people. I'm inferior to marry an Israelite. One thing they they let me work in their fields, in the fields, it's another to marry one. I can't marry one. So Naomi says to Ruth something very important when she says here, she said, now, is not Boaz of our kindred with whose maidens thou wast? with whose maidens thou wast. Naomi is saying, Ruth, Ruth, 
Listen to me, Ruth. Didn't Boaz put you among his maidens? Didn't he do that? He did. In the chapter before, verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8, then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. That was Boaz's instruction. Naomi is saying, he puts you with the maidens. He puts you with the maidens, Ruth. You know what that means? He puts you with the maidens. That's it. Your family, you're accepted. Mishba'ach, Lanzman, or Lan's woman. You know, that's what Naomi's saying to Ruth. Consider yourself part of the family. That's what she's saying. Okay, now, got two obstacles removed. And now she's getting down to business. And so now, verse 2, you know verse 2, how she says verse 2? She goes, behold, winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Okay? That's what Naomi's doing there. Ruth could say, how do you know this? How do you know this? Naomi would say, I've been watching. That's what I do. I watch. What do you think I'll do? What do you think I do all day? Knit? <laughs> I watch. I watch. So Naomi says, but, you know, Boaz is going to, I know, I know, tonight, right tonight, he's going to be right in the middle of this big heaps of grain. He'll be working really hard. He'll be eating a lot. He'll be drinking. He'll be so, so happy. And then he's going to sleep like a baby soundly. Oh, Boaz, you don't have a chance. <laughs> There's a bullseye painted on you. Naomi's got a plan here. All right. So now we see how Naomi has really got this very specific plan in verses three and four. She says to to Ruth, wash thyself therefore, anoint thee, put thy raiment upon thee, get thee down to the floor, and do not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking, and it shall be, when he lieth down, thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he'll tell you what to do next. All right? <laughs> now, <laughs> it's not like Naomi said to Ruth, 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 dear, why don't you think about fixing yourself up a little bit? No, that's not the way Naomi. Naomi, Naomi she's commanding Ruth. She's commanding her. Ruth, Ruth, what's the matter with you? Don't look and smell like you've been working in the fields. She had been. You know? So she says, Ruth, make yourself look good. Make yourself smell good. Anoint thee. It's going to be dark. At least you should smell good, if nothing else. And it also won't hurt if you should look nice. You know, put thy raiment upon thee. You know, maybe in the moonlight, he should see. You should, you should have some nice clothes. You shouldn't look like a ghost. You know, you're going to scare him out of his mind. So he says to her, uh, you know, uh, put thy raiment upon thee. In other words, take off those widow clothes already. It's long enough. You're mourning for your deceased husband. It's done. It's over. It's finished now. It ended. It just ended. It's over. So what do you want? Those widow clothes to send the message you're not available? So what Naomi was asking Ruth to do here, and I want you to see this, was very difficult for Ruth, very hard for Ruth. Ruth was a woman of purity, moral purity. Ruth was a woman of virtue. All the gate of the city, all the city, all the city knew that Ruth was a woman of virtue. For Ruth to visit Boaz in the night was the appearance of evil, and this was very hard for Ruth. Very hard for Ruth. You know who else something like this was hard for? Her, her compatriot, Esther. Esther. Two books in the Bible named after women. Ruth, Esther. Esther. Esther was also a woman with very high moral purity. The hardest thing in the world for Esther to do was to leave the godly home of Mordecai and be brought into King Ahasuerus' harem. All right? But Esther obeyed Mordecai 
By the way, Esther's name is Hadassah, and uh, that's her Hebrew name, Hadassah, and that is the name of the uh, Israeli organization when they were fighting for their freedom for the women, the women undercover fighters, who would um, go out and do things very hard for them, become lovers of the Arabs, uh, and commanders and so forth, and, and anyway, Hadassah. I don't want to talk about that. So Mordecai, who realized that she had been sent to be the king's wife for the purpose of saving the Jewish people from destruction, and she did. Now, this great quality of Esther is stated in Esther 2.20, Esther 2.20, where it said, Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her for. Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. So here's Ruth. She's like Esther. Ruth is like Esther. Here's Naomi. She's like Mordecai. I'm not going to say Boaz is like King Ahasuerus, but anyway, Naomi has ordered Ruth to go against all of her principles and visit Boaz in the night. And just as Esther did the commandment of Mordecai, so Ruth does the commandment of Naomi, as we see in verse 5, and she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. For Ruth, to risk her womanly feelings of staying pure is like asking Ruth to die to risk her life. Moreover, Ruth also is not a demanding person. You know, Ruth was humble. She wasn't the, the, the type to go and say, I demand my rights according to the kinsman redeemer laws in Leviticus. That's not Ruth. For Ruth to obey Naomi and demand her rights to become the wife of Boaz because of the laws of the kinsman redeemer, that's not Ruth. It's just not her. It's very hard for her. But as painful as this was for Ruth, she says in verse 5, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. A great sacrifice, which brings us to the question, why? Why did Ruth obey Naomi? Ruth obeyed Naomi because Ruth loved Naomi. That's why. And she loved her as her own mother. Ruth obeyed Naomi because Ruth had complete confidence in Naomi that Ruth knew that Naomi would not do anything to harm her. Ruth obeyed Naomi because she wanted Naomi, she wanted Naomi to rise above the shame, to dishonor the poverty of the state they were in. And Ruth obeyed Naomi because Ruth loved Israel. Ruth loved Israel. Thy people shall be my people, she said. She loved the people of Israel, and she wanted to be used to build up Israel, which she did. She didn't even know that by doing this, she was going to become the great-grandmother of Israel's greatest king. King David. But she didn't know that. But she went ahead and did that because she loved Israel. She wanted to build it up. Now, Naomi tells Ruth the plan that after Ruth has made herself smell nice, made herself look nice, in verse 3, wash thyself therefore, anoint thee, put the raiment upon thee. Then she says, get thee down, go down to the place where Boaz will lie down to sleep and stay hidden so no man sees you, no man should know that a woman was there, then wait till after this tired Boaz, he's eaten, he's drunk well, he's, and watch for where he lies down for a good night's sleep. She's saying, listen to me, Ruth, watch for where he lies down. He'll be alone, he's gonna lie down to sleep, and as soon as he's asleep, then carefully and cautiously make your move. It shall be in verse four, when he lieth down, thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, shall go in and cover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what you can do. We can imagine Ruth saying, you want me to do what? <laughs> what? Says, well, she says, all right, listen to me, Ruth. The most important thing, make sure you mark the place where he shall lie. Make sure you get the right man. 
This could be a tragedy if you get the wrong man. It would be an absolute disaster. So make sure that's the first priority. And I want you to go in and just lift the blanket that's covering his feet and lie down at his feet. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.